Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, aka Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. No sponsors just yet, so go to justkeeplearning.ca to find coaching and content geared toward helping you not just set goals, but achieve them too. We have a goal to help a million people be lifelong learners and get their ambitions off the ground, so be sure to hit us up, let us know how we can help. Our guest today promotes her business by asking, are you tired of being the best kept secret online? She is an expert in helping brands stand out and bring their message to the world. She does this as the host of Lights Camera Live and as a neuro-linguistic programming trainer, teaching brain hacks to help people overcome fear of things like public speaking and content creation by rewiring their mind. Like any great entrepreneur, she gets up to many other things. She's been featured as a guest speaker at conferences such as VidCon, Social Media Marketing World, The Podcast Movement, and more. Featured in Forbes Entrepreneur and Think Marketing about using live media to grow your business. Like all of our guests, most importantly, she is a great example of following your dreams while being a good person along the way. We talked about deciding to be her own boss, why live streaming is so valuable, and how to get started as a creative entrepreneur. Please welcome to episode four of the Learned Podcast, Hey Stephanie, or more formally, Stephanie How would you explain who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Stephanie Liu. I'm a live video strategist. I help brands and entrepreneurs go from unknown to unforgettable with live video. A fantastic elevator pitch. I haven't heard one better, that's for sure. Um, It's to the point and I think really tells the story of what you do. What made you choose passion and pursuit of things you want to do versus just going about how a career maybe plays out for a lot of people? I decided to go down the passion route because when I was working 50 plus hours a week in an agency, there's one day where I got a phone call in the office and it was my mom and she was in tears. And she said, Stephanie, you have to go to the hospital right now because your sister just had a heart attack. And this was like two weeks after she just had a baby and all in my mind, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, but I have all this stuff that I have to do. And it's going to take me an hour just to get there. And when I finally got there, it took me another hour just to find parking because it was so crowded. It was so packed. And at that time I was like, what am I doing? You know, I I realized I would always keep telling my family next week, I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. And you think about like what's happening now. It's like, I haven't seen my family for like almost two months. They usually live around like 15 minutes away. And so that's when I realized like, man, I, if I really truly want to live the life that I want, then I have to build the business around my lifestyle, the lifestyle that I want to have. And even when I had my daughter, I was like, I can't work 50 plus hours a week. So I left the agency world. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm only going to work four days a week. And on Wednesdays, that's going to be whatever we want Wednesdays. If she wants to go to the park, we would do that. Or, you know, if she wants to go to the zoo, cool, we'll do that. And just to have that freedom, that flexibility to do that is so empowering. One of the things that I get a lot, um, because I work with youth in various um, facilities, uh, institutions, hospitals, jails, addictions, uh, teen moms, homeless, these group homes, stuff like that. There's, we have 17 units. Point being, one of the questions I get a lot when I go into the jail is wanting to do things like become a rapper or build a business around a podcast. And most people in their lives telling them that it's unrealistic. How do you feel about the possibility of choosing passion for work over having a boss kind of for if it could be for everyone. 
I guess I had a, I would recommend kind of like a, a split strategy, right? If you can try to get a job that will fuel your passion project, right? Instead of being a starving artist and trying to, to scrape by, what if, what if you could have just a little bit of stability where you're working maybe that nine to five and then towards the, the evening, you're making steps towards learning that software or making those connections and going to those networking events because you have the funds to do so. I think a lot of times when I think about how people are, are hustling these days, right? In my industry, we have a funny name for it. We call it struggle porn, where it's like, it's all about like hitting the very, very rock bottom. And for someone like me, that's, that's too much of a risk, right? So I try to find harmony in it. I try to find a job that would help me do what it is that I, that I need to do in order to pay my mortgage, pay my bills and all that good stuff, but still gives me that freedom and that flexibility to tap into my creativity, creativity to meet new people and do really fun things. And it's funny when you ask that, because I was like, I'm, I'm even now I'm still doing it. Like people know me as like a live streamer, but I still have social media retainer clients that I know that they're on retainer for like the next three years. I don't even have to worry about it. And if a new project comes cool, that's a nice, that's a nice to have, but I still have my, whatever we want Wednesdays, like no matter what. I often talk about the two paths. I think that's very similar. Um, what's neat is that with those retainer clients, it's still your business, um, which is kind of that next step for people. And I think that's an inspiration for a lot of people. How can we improve education so that, yeah, so that it's adding value to them? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think it's, it's being exposed to different ways of teaching, um, going to different events and seeing how other people have done it. Like, for example, when, when I was in high school, in, in the city that I lived in, same thing. We were known for dropouts and all that stuff. And for someone with my background, it was predicted that I would probably just become a nurse or I would join the military just because that's what my demographic does. And no one had really talked to me about other careers outside of the health industry or the military. And I think having a counselor who says, well, these are all the other things that you could do. I think having a mentor who could really just pull you aside and be like, hey, are you interested in this? How about you try this? And even when my nephew was in high school, they had this really cool program where they could, they could do job shadowing for an entire like semester. And so my sister was like, hey, you know, like, can you have your nephew just shadow you for a bit? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I, I work from home, but it's not like me in my PJs all day, it's like on Tuesdays are when I get to leave the office and I get to go to client sites. And I think really exposing him to that, he was like, oh, wow, I've, I've never heard about this before. Because it wasn't very often that adults would share what they do at work with a kid, right? Like he would only hear what was going on inside that house. And so to expose him what was going on in our home, he got to visit me at the agency and so I gave him a tour. I was like, this is the creative team. And these are the software that they use. And during that eight hour shift, he would you know, sit with one of the de designers. And then I asked one of the VP of the creative team, can he sit with you on like one of the pitch meetings? And I think just exposing him to that, he realized, wow, there's so much more that I can do 
that, you know, I don't have to follow everyone else's path, but I could be inspired by other people. And I didn't know that agencies would let people, you know, walk through their halls just to job shadow you for a day. And I think that's very helpful. What about that youth, the teen who's really struggling with doing school at all, um, who just kind of is checked out and doesn't want to do anything? What do you think we could do to help those? Yeah. You know, I, I typically find that it's helpful to understand like what a student's learning style is. This is something that I felt growing up in my curriculum was very focused on. You just do repeated exercises, repeated exercises, and it was more memorization versus critical thinking and creativity. And it wasn't until I started working at the agency where it's like, okay, we're going to do creative brainstorming exercises. And that kind of, that made it feel like I was a part of a team and it was lower risk. So I could try something and I could fail, but I could try again. And I think when you have that type of environment, it's much more, it's much more supportive and they're willing to try, right? I feel like in most classrooms, you know, back to your, your last question, it's either it's right or it's wrong. Like there's no in between or there's no like, what if, right? It's like, it's yes, no. But for me, it's always like, what if we tried this? Why? do you feel online business is such an important thing to teach and learn today? I think learning online marketing is a very important thing to learn because it's not just, here's my product, buy it. It's more about understanding human behavior. It's understanding how to be persuasive. It's understanding your customer's needs. And then being able to create content, whether it's videos or blogs or emails, that actually captivates an audience. Right? So how do you hook someone in and how do you tug on those emotional triggers to get them to take action, whether it's to buy a product or whether it's to sign up and take action, you know, join an organization, become a volunteer. Those are all skill sets that I think are helpful just even outside of marketing. I feel like some people really lack those communication skills and online marketing is really just taking those communication skills and bringing it online. Specific to jails, I find communication if I picked one thing to improve, that would be what I would improve. And yet yeah. we don't put people in many opportunities in jails to improve their communication. Um, I mean, that's honestly not even a question, but it's, yeah. no, it's, no, no, it's I'm glad it's, you hit on it. Yeah. Well, one of my good friends, his name is Gary Ware and he's the CEO of Breakthrough Play. And he and I had worked at the agency world for a very long time and he had dabbled into improv right? Because it helped him with his pitches. It allowed us as a team to think better on our feet because the whole idea is that when you're doing improv, you don't let your partner fail. So if you're pitching to a client and they give you an idea, you're like, yes, and, and you build upon it. So you build upon that story. Well, fast forward to now, he realized how much fun he had instilling playfulness in the workplace. So he started that company and then he realized you know, I think it was like one of the county jails here had reached out and said, would you be able to do one of these play workshops for our inmates? Just so that way they could lower the barrier and get to know each other better and inject a little fun. And so now he teaches them improv and just how to build off of that. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's inspiring because we need more of that. There's, there's not a ceiling to how much of that we need. So that's great to hear. I'll, I'll check his work out for sure. Yeah. Um, so I know you've referenced in other podcasts and interviews, the idea that you're going to learn so much along the way when it comes to online business and live streaming. 
What is one thing that you learned along the way that maybe you didn't expect in a bad way and one in a good way? Mm, That's a good question. Something that I didn't expect, but I learned in a good way. You know, I think most people don't realize that when you run your own business, it's not just the marketing piece. It's not just the, the fun being on camera type stuff. It's also knowing your numbers, like knowing where your income is and knowing what your expenses are, knowing how you're allocating your time, right? Because there's only so many hours in a day. There's so many hours in a month that you're working, but you have to factor in family time. You have to factor in birthdays and anniversaries, your sleep, the fact that you have to eat lunch, right? Those are common things that people don't factor into an eight-hour day. And so when you think, yeah, I could work eight hours on this client today, that's not real. (laughs) That's not real. And so I think knowing your numbers, what's coming in, what's going out makes you a better better like business owner in that sense. And I think that really, I think working on the agency side helped me see like how the sausage is made, I guess you could say, right? Because it wasn't just, here's your social media strategy, let's launch it. But like, okay, but how are we going to allocate the hours? Do we have enough staff for it? Like you're kind of like thinking before the project even starts. And why do you think it's important for people to not be that best kept secret? I think if it's something where if you want to be top of mind and tip of tongue, you want people to know you and refer you, you have to put yourself out there. And it's one of those things where people are like, man, I've been in business for 20 years and like my phone's not ringing. Why is that? And it's like, well, are you searchable? Can people find your content? Are you sharing your expertise? And that's where people kind of struggle with that. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to share. And so being that kind of like that Sherpa to say, okay, well, let's take a look at your content strategy. What are, what are some things that people are struggling with that you could develop content around that? It could be something as simple as how to use an external microphone on Zoom, how to use uh, a different type of camera for Zoom meeting as well. And most people, when they think about the content that's already online, they think it's kind of like Simpsons where it's like, oh, it's already been done, right? But there are, there are different personalities from people that you want to learn from, right? There are just some people that you're going to gravitate towards and the way that they describe it is so much easier, right? Someone who, if I'm trying to learn a new product and the person is talking really, really, really fast and they're moving their hands and not showing me step-by-step, I can't learn that way, right? It, that, that's probably going to be really fun for like a visual learner to see. But when it comes down to like me actually trying it, I would love to have a blog post that walks it through step by step. And to see that someone's actually going to answer my questions, that just grows my affinity towards that brand or that company or that person where I still want to digest more of their content. Does that make sense? Completely. And you just referenced, I think, a very important thing in today's day and age is that you have different learning styles that are going to appreciate different types of content and can be the exact same topic. So one of my questions is you have a blog, um, you know, you're willing to do guest interviews like this. You do your lives, you consult, you coach, you do a lot of things. If somebody's just starting out building a brand and online business though, would you suggest planting flags everywhere like that or really focusing on one thing at the beginning? I would say focus on one thing at the beginning. For me, like, 
because I, I could speak from that angle is I started off with live streaming and I went all in on that because I was able to leverage my agency experience in the sense that people that were already connected to me on Facebook were old agency colleague, colleagues or clients. And so when they saw me come into their newsfeed, like, oh, hey, you know, Stephanie's doing something new. I should support her. And for a long time, I wasn't repurposing that content. I wasn't turning it into a blog post because I thought writing was too hard. And I didn't make it into to short social media snippets because I didn't know how to do editing. And because of that, I was able to master all aspects of live streaming, like how to pitch a guest, how to structure the show. And so I was able to focus on that. And once I had that down, then it was like, okay, now let's look into the next thing on how I could learn that because then I could focus my attention, right? It's kind of, it's kind of like when I make um, a peanut butter sandwich for my daughter in the morning, right? If I, if I get some peanut butter on a knife and I spread it across the bread, right? And spread it like everywhere and all the, corners. it's really, really thin. And she's like, ah, oh, I don't really taste it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I already put it there. But if I focus in like, you know, in layers and I work towards it, then it's going to be like the most delicious peanut butter sandwich ever. And she's not going to, she's not going to leave it there to just hang out for the rest of the day. <laughs> don't waste your food. <laughs> kind of rolls nicely into the idea of having a niche versus being a little more broad in terms of the content that you're providing. Where do you stand on that? It's, it's really interesting because like, even in my background, my background extends back like 15 years. So it's like, I know SEO, I know PPC and I know social media, but it wasn't until people had found me for live video that I started to attract like the speaking engagements and becoming a guest on other things. But once I was known for that, that was kind of like the tipping point for everything else. So people are still finding out about me for live video, but they don't know that I also run Google AdWords. Like I know paid media and all that other stuff. I think it's helpful. I definitely think it's helpful for you to have a particular niche that you're a master at, but it's also helpful to know like general terms. So that way you could kind of not walk into like a trap, like, Going, going back to like this one client that I just signed on this week in just having a conversation with her, she's like, I know enough to get me by without feeling like I'm lost in the weeds. And I was like, that's good. Because I think if you just know a little bit, then that's always going to be helpful, but you could still follow that path that you want to do and, and be focused without being distracted by like different detours and all that stuff. And you're still able to be on that fast track and be known for that specific niche without getting distracted. Right. Um, and you just hit on a couple other things. Um, and one was the idea of um, thinking that you didn't want to do writing because it was too hard. I think that the written word has two things working against it. And one is that it's kind of old school right? Blogs are things of the past, but also that a lot of people don't like writing because it seems hard. So maybe if you could just speak to the value of written word in online business. For a long time, I only did video and I didn't want to do the blog recaps because gosh, it was going to take too long. And, you know, the copywriting and stuff, I didn't think I had the time or the effort to do it, but I found a couple of tools that helped me along the way. Like there's a tool called otter.ai, O-T-T-E-R.ai. And it would take the video and it would transcribe it for me. 
So just having that transcription allows me to create that blog recap a lot faster, which I think is also helpful for my audience. You know, if they're laying in bed and trying to put the kids in bed, you know, you can't really watch a video or you don't have your headphones there, but they could still get the gist of the content and they could skim through it and they could find it. The written word is also really helpful. Like let's say from the online marketing world, it's super helpful for like SEO being found in the search engines and having your content be read. Like, like you, you said like Stephanie, I researched your stuff online and it's probably a lot easier to read a blog post than it is to watch like a 45 minute live stream. Right. The other thing about it that I found very helpful was that even now, like when you just asked for like the elevator pitch, because I had written that so many times, it now becomes embedded in my brain. It's, it becomes so easy and effortless for me to say because I've taken something that I knew that hit, that it performed well on stage, it performed well on video, that I know that it's probably going to do well on the website. So when you say things like, are you tired of being the best kept secret in town? People love that. Cool. Let's put that up on the website. And now it's memorable. And you mentioned the idea of once you started with the personal brand stuff and focused on live, that it opened up opportunities like speaking and those types of engagements. Did you find, and this is one thing I know that fascinates people early on because they have no idea, were people coming to you or were you still having to go out and collect those opportunities? Uh, people were coming to me. That, that was the interesting piece. And I think it's, I think it's because in my industry for marketing, you know, you're accountable for creating an event where people can learn from other people and having the same speakers year after year can get really boring and they want to hear different stories and different experiences. And when you're confident on camera, I think that gives you a leg up in the competition where people are like, oh, okay, you bring this person on stage, that person already has a built-in audience. That person already knows how to deliver and hit home on a message because they're used to structure. They know how to engage with an edit audience. They know like the ebb and flow of energy. So that was really helpful. Um, and just, you know, people reaching out. I was like, you watch my show? Like, really? The, the, the first time, okay, this is a crazy story. The first time I knew that Lights Camera Live was blowing up was I was literally standing in the grocery store checkout line. And I heard my voice. I was like, and I thought like maybe my phone was playing. And I turned around and it just so happened that someone was scrolling through their Facebook newsfeed and and the audio was on that they, somehow my video had popped up. And I got, I don't know, I, I got so embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's me. And I actually like ducked out of line because I was like, that was crazy. I've never, like, I didn't know who that person was, but there it is, like my content being discoverable. And yeah, that was, that was kind of surreal. I had the same experience happen to one of my students and she was only 16, a teen mom who was on the bus. Uh, but the girl beside her had a picture of her saved as the background on her phone. Um, she was big in Instagram young. And um, that was the point where she gave it up, went a completely oh. different direction um, and struggled with the idea of being that person. So yeah. you just used the word embarrassed. I think that's an interesting thing. Um, what 
do you think is a tip for people to keep going when it comes to that vulnerability versus not wanting to be that person who pops up on someone's phone in the checkout line? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I would say I was embarrassed because I was completely not made up. And I was like, oh my God, please don't see me. <laughs> it was like mom bun and, you know, yoga pants, whatever. But I would say, it, I think I think sometimes when you put yourself out there, I think vulnerability is the admission ticket to creativity. And I think it's one of those things where you could put yourself out there and share your story that people are going to love that in the sense that they could relate to you. They could probably find something where they're like, oh, I've heard something similar or I've gone that gone through that before. And I would definitely say keep going. You know, I, I just had a conversation with my good friend, Ryan Vanzo. And was it, was it last week? Yeah, last week I put on my very first virtual summit with 40 plus speakers. And not surprising, funny enough, like the name of the, of the event was called Leap into Livestreaming Bootcamp. We were encouraging people to take the leap into live streaming. And this was also my first leap into hosting an online event. And when Brian and I were talking, he was talking about like, when you start live streaming, you open yourself out there as a content creator. You're, you open yourself out there for criticism. And when you're creating content, sometimes you think about like, you could do like 150 things that are absolutely amazing and people will send you messages and be like, that, that rocked my world. You know, I saved that. And then one person can say one negative thing and it kind of like ruins your day or it ruins your week, right? And it kind of, breaks down all the success that you have. And one of the helpful things that Brian told me was like, Stephanie, you need to create a folder. And this is going to be the folder that's called the portfolio of awesomeness. And whenever someone gives you like a good review or like, Hey, this really helped, or this video, like solved my problem. And just like that, you know, screenshot that just to remind yourself to keep going because people do find your, find yourself helpful. And, you know, no one's perfect right out of the gate. You know, we all, evolve over time and we learn how we could be better. So, you know, don't beat yourself up about that. Those external affirmations. And I did watch that video. It was a good interview. Um, So along this same lines, before we move on from sort of personal branding, I guess Mm -hmm. the idea of like a digital guys or a nickname, the reason I ask is, you know, I switched my handle to just tries because I brought it up in almost every live stream or every interview I ever did was this idea of trying and it also had a part of my name in it. But yeah. people, some people are like confused by it. I noticed obviously that yours still says, hey, Stephanie. And I think that's neat because it adds stuff to it. But how do you feel about the idea of people's just regular names versus adding some sort of... I like the creativity of it. I like the just tries because it reminds me what your name is. Um, same thing with, hey, Stephanie. That was actually a joke. When, when I was in the office and people always had like a technical question, you know, the coworker that would come by and do their little drive-by question. And it always started off as, hey, Stephanie. And I was like, dot, 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 what do you need help with? And so that kind of launched the first blog that I ever did was whatever questions they would have, it would become a tutorial. Like this is the Hey Stephanie site because these are questions that people have been asking me. So I like, I like, you know, the creativity of infusing your name into something that you do. I think that's always helpful. Things that I had struggled with was being a female content creator. And in our family, in our tradition, when we get married, we take on our husband's last name. And 
So when I did that, I was Stephanie Garcia. And then in my first marriage, it was Stephanie Gully. And I built that brand. And then I got divorced, went back to Garcia. And then I got married again. And now it's Lou. So, <laughs> so that's where I'm kind of like, oh, okay, it's going to be Lights Camera Live. Like that's the name of the show. And it's funny because even now I know which of my friends have known me the longest. One guy, he just texted me. He's like, hey, I needed your help. And it was so funny. Your, your, your last name showed up as Garcia. And I was like, oh, that is way back. That's way, way back. That's like high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's interesting how something like that nickname can last forever, though. And I think that's cool. And that's one of the things that I love doing is people helping people find things, whether it's part of their business or their learning pursuits or their passions. But it's really neat to have someone that could last forever. Yeah. Um, against all of those changes yeah. you thought, Hey, Stephanie can last forever. Well, and then I think even with your name, like if you wanted to have a legacy, like if your daughter wanted to take on your company and do the things that you do and walk in your shoes, like just tries is still applicable and it has such a strong story behind it. Versus like if my daughter, Emma wanted to have, Hey, Stephanie, <laughs> it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, but she could talk about lights camera live and how like she would always, you know, bomb my live stream shows just to say hi. Yeah. And those videos could be amazing in the future. Those throwback, Hey, look at this, what I used to do on mom's live streams. Now I'm doing them myself. (laughs) One thing I did want to not forget to talk about is the idea of NLP or neuro-linguistic programming, because obviously it's a passion of yours, but it's not a buzzword. I wouldn't say yet. Um, What is it? Neuro-linguistic programming is more or less understanding how your mind works. It's understanding that your thoughts and feelings have an impact on the actions that you take and the words that you say. And so if you were to think of it as like your smartphone, right? Every now and then you have to update the software in your smartphone in order to be more productive, in order for it to work faster, in order for it to get the results that you want it to do. And sometimes when we grow up, depending on our backgrounds, our minds are are programmed or installed with beliefs and thoughts from other people. Like I think about when I was a young girl and if I was climbing rocks, my mom would say things like, no, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. And so I never took that chance because I was scared of it. Now, when I have my daughter and I see her climbing rocks, I'm like, all right, cool. I'll catch you. So instead of saying, don't try it, it's more, go ahead. I'll support you or I'll teach you the way around it. And I think a lot of times when you're an adult and there's certain things where you're like, ah, I'm not willing to take that chance or that's never going to work for me. You have to stop and ask yourself, why do I believe that? Why do I think that, that I can't be that other person? Or why do I think that I can't achieve that goal? And really, really analyze that to be like, oh, you know, maybe it's because someone had told me this, or maybe because I had this one event where you know, someone told me something and how is that still impacting me? Like, I'll I'll tell you a story. Like one of my girlfriends, she is so smart and she is so well connected and she would host these events and she would get like the top authors, the top marketers to be there. And whenever we would hand the mic and be like, Jen, go introduce yourself. She's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And it it was always weird. I was like, but you're, you're Jen, like you're amazing. Like we all saw it. And finally, one day I had lunch with her and I was like, what's up with that? Like, what, like, what is this confidence issue that's happening? And then she kind of told me, you know, when I was in the third grade, when I had to do a presentation and I was trying to speak 
my teacher kept yelling at me to speak louder, to speak louder. And that just made me feel so uncomfortable. So now whenever I see a mic, it just, you know, like she's, she doesn't want to be around it. And at that point I was like, okay, that was like what third grade. She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, how long are you going to let that hold you back? That was third grade you. Like, look at everything that you've accomplished now. Like, you're a 38-year-old woman. Are you still going to be afraid of a mic? Like, come on now. And then it just flipped her switch. She's like, oh, my God, that's right. And then she just realized all of these other opportunities that she had passed up on, like podcasts and videos and all of that. And I think growing up, like, if you're just listening to this now, it's really how long do you want to base the decision in your life based off of fear versus confidence? Because if you were just confident, like, what could you do? Like, what if you tried? What if you got that support? What if you just tested that out? What would become it? What would become of it then? I think it speaks to so many things for me. One is that that is exactly what I see in every one of the youths that I work with. Um, they've been broken down, beaten down in many ways, sadly, and they have such unbelievable talents. I can go down the list, nail artists, um, special effects, makeup, photographers, graphic designers, um, podcasters, like I could just go on and on. And one of those stories exists for every single one of them. What do you think is that like number one thing that we could tell them to try and kind of, uh, I guess it, NLP obviously is a, is a program that people go through, but what yeah. would be one thing if you had to pick one that we would try and get them to understand? You create these processes, these techniques to follow in the footsteps of greatness. And so if you saw a rapper, if you saw a speaker, if you saw an actor or a politician that you were like, you really wanted to emulate, success will always leave clues. And I think if you were just to kind of model after that, I'm like, okay, so how do they stand? You know, how do they show that they're confident? Can I, can I emulate that? And it's like, yeah, you can. And just pick up on every single one of those clues and try to, try to model after that. And then when you nail it, like when you do something good, I love to do the technique called anchoring where it's like, when was the last time you felt confident? Cool. Anchor that emotion like on your knuckle. So whenever you need to go on stage, whenever you need to do a presentation, when you need to introduce yourself at networking events, you can just like activate that power button and boom, you light up, right? So like even with my daughter now, she's only five, but you know, I'm trying to teach her how to read or how to do math. And when she gets something right, like, oh, I make a big freaking deal of it. I'm like, oh my God, like she did it. And she just gets that whole like feeling in her body, like, wow, mom, I did it. And in my mind, because I know NLP, I'll do something where I might like push down on her shoulder. So whenever something happens, that's good. I'll always push it there. And so if she's in a bad mood, sometimes I'll just kind of like activate that secret little button and she just like lights up. We're like, oh, because when neurons fire together, they wire together. So if you were to go ahead and push down on someone's like shoulder after they've done something good, like, oh, you just graduated. That's awesome. Like hold down, squeeze. And they'll remember that. It's the opposite to spanking, essentially. Exactly. Your helping people with that is exactly what I try to do in terms of coaching and my day job 
it's neat because I'm really trying to figure out what the best balance is because you can't scale online coaching one-to-one in terms of these things necessarily. Um, but point being, I've one of the biggest struggles I've found people have with starting their online businesses is the idea of putting out free content, right? So creating for social, putting all these examples into blog posts, doing your live stream versus monetizing. What mm-hmm. would you say when it comes to that idea, that fear that people would have around monetization versus free content. Because there's a lot of gurus who say, put everything out for free and that's going to lead to success, right? But people need to pay the bills too. There's different ways that people learn, right? There's your why audience. They want to know why, if I learn about this, how's it going to change my world? They want to know the what. So like the stats, the numbers, um, definitions, all that stuff. Then there's the how audience that wants to like, be guided through that process. And there's the what if, which is really like the critics, right? They're like, well, if I do this, what are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? And I find that for the content that I create, it's generally going to be the why and the what. I'm going to tell you like what's happening in the industry and why it's impacting you and your business. And here are some high level things that you could do, like the little how, but then there's the what if. And it's like, well, what if I want to do this with Ecamm versus that? What if I do that? It's like, well, then we got to hop on a call because we got to dive into that a little bit more. And that's what I sell is the what if it's the opportunities. It's helping you avoid those mistakes. So that way you could get on the fast track to success because you could Google things all day, all long, you know, watching YouTube videos and all of that stuff. Um, But there's always going to be that little inkling, that voice in your head. It's like, but what if? And you just need that validation, that confidence and knowing that you could do it. And that's usually where I jump in. I think that that comes up in all these episodes too. There's an ocean of information. It's free, go do it. But if you can't execute, that's where you need support. And that's fantastic. I think most people just need accountability. That's another thing. It's just accountability because it's so easy to want to jump around, especially when you're reading like a how-to tutorial, right? You're just going to flip through the manual. (laughs) But then someone that's going to hold you accountable, like, ah, no, 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 you should have read that warning first before you started that. I don't like jumping in too much of these because it's not my interview, but it's so on point that when I was a personal trainer, I built up a really good ability to sell because I wasn't really selling. People would say things like, um, well, can you just write the programs for me? And I would gift them a book, like the book that at the in the industry at the time was the best. This is what you should do to do your own fitness book, I would give it to them as a gift. It's like, here, this is it. But come back in a month if you need the accountability, the support, the coaching, and someone to lean on. And every single one of them would come back and that'd probably be too busy at the time, um, sadly. And it's like, and that it's just, it's an interesting concept. Um, Okay, so I have a a couple um, scenarios that I'd like to ask. I think we already tackled one of them. Um, but I find it a neat way to go through um, with a little kind of like a specific role play type thing. Um, and so um, in education right now, tons of teachers are jumping to different platforms to figure out online learning. Um, I noticed that Thinkific uh, is something that you've used. Um, that's the platform that I signed up for recently too, which is kind of cool. What is some advice you would give to people starting to use something like Thinkific? I would definitely still say, know your, know your classroom's different learning styles, right? So there's the visual learners. So video is going to be awesome. That's always going to be super helpful. 
audio is also very helpful too. If you could have someone just download the audio piece of it, like the podcast that they could listen to as they're going or just, you know, keep listening to it on repeat, then that makes it accessible. Um, I would also say like your kinesthetic learners, if you, when you're teaching online, I usually like to have like little mini breakout homeworks versus like, here's your big final project that you have to send to me at the end of it. It's, I, I would rather want to give them little quick wins and feedback with live office hours. That way we can learn together. And if you're going to do office hours, it's always helpful to use something like Zoom. Because then you could say like, okay, what are you struggling with? Okay, can you share your screen with me so I could see what it is? Because I'm a visual learner. And sometimes when people are describing their things, like what's like why their live streaming equipment isn't working, like I have to see what you're doing. I have to see how you're connecting the different pieces. Because even sometimes they'll describe things to you and they'll use a different terminology because they're not the expert in the field, but you are, right? It's like, oh, that's not called that. The real name is this. And that would, that would always be my advice is try to cater to the different learning styles. And as you're doing your office hours, when you're listening to your students, as they're asking their questions, you could see like how they communicate. You know, you could see that if it doesn't feel right, then you have to make them feel comfortable. Like what other additional exercises can you anchor that confidence or anchor that knowledge of like, you got this, you know, this. If someone's like struggling because they can't see it, you know, is there a different worksheet that you could put together? Is there a different way of tutorial that you could teach them? Um, I think that'll always, that'll always help. If you could pick just one social media platform for people to use, what would it be and why? If you're looking for connections, then I would say Facebook groups are really helpful. Because your Facebook business page is really like your front door. You know, it's like people come there for business to solicit, to sell you. But when you have a Facebook group, that's where the party is. That's like the backyard. It's like, oh, you're here for the barbecue. Okay, come to the backyard. All right, cool. Like the kids are, you know, they're swimming in the pool, you know, go grab that. Like that's where the real conversations are happening. And I think when you create a community online for your business or your brand, or if you're looking to learn more about like Adobe Premiere or all these different softwares, joining a Facebook group is always going to be helpful. So what would be some tips to starting building a Facebook group? I would say if you're going to create a Facebook group, you know, in your cover photo, be very explicit about like, what are you teaching? Like, what is this group? What's, what's the mission? What it's vision and values. I also think it's very helpful if when you're creating the group, that link that you have, if you're going to promote it on your business, like your website, most people will still link to their Facebook business page, you know, the front door. No, link them to your Facebook group because that's where they're going to see the real engagement. There's more often than not, you're going to get more engagement, more questions, more comments in your Facebook group than you are in your business page. So show them where the party's at. Like, here's your invitation. Go there. Other ways to promote it would be put it in your email. Or I like Social Media Examiner where they have the society and every week I would get an email that says like, hey, we just got a couple of good questions in the group. If you didn't see it, here's the question and here's the link to the answer. So I always, I always found that fascinating. Okay, so uh, the last scenario is pretty specific and it's you go into, as a guest teacher for me, for a few minutes, you come in and we have a teen mom who wants to be a YouTuber, a podcaster. Her passion is photography. Um, she doesn't want to go to college. She wants to be the YouTuber, the podcaster. I get this all the time. So sure. how do you approach telling them where to start? 
to be a successful YouTuber? <laughs> I would say it's really going to be learning about creating crave-worthy content, content that people are going to binge off of and watch from beginning, middle to end. Because how you succeed on YouTube is based off of analytics. And if you could get a viewer to tune in the whole entire time, that's going to help you get better results as far as getting your video suggested. So if they watch one video, your video pops up. If you want to be discovered, then it's a lot more helpful that way. So knowing how to structure your videos is very helpful. And you could find that through things by watching other successful YouTubers. Remember, we talked about success always leaves clues. Look at other successful makeup tutorials. What are they doing? How do they hook the viewer in? Um, what are the transitions that they use? How do they you know, pan the camera? All of that stuff, because that's all done intentionally because they've already done it, right? They're successful because they've already done it. They've already did the analysis. And again, you could model after success and then tweak it to make it your own. That would be my advice. It's That's know amazing. Your platform. Yeah. <laughs> know your platform, know how it works and always test, always be testing. And I think what's cool is that you could have said, don't bother. <laughs> right? Like we, we, these, these are real scenarios. I go into school and honestly, how many times do you think other people would tell them that, right? It's not possible. I, yeah, it's totally possible. And it's funny because I've had this conversation with like my nephew who is like, I want to be a gamer because he found out that I live stream. And he's like, what, what's the stuff that I use? And I would tell him, well, this is what I use for my marketing stuff. And it would translate over to yours. And again, just having that job shadowing for that full year, he was like, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> It is possible. Yeah, they just need to see it. So that's kind of the last most important thing that a lot of people think of when they think of your brand. So let's talk live stream. Um, when it comes to why live streaming, why would you say it's important? It's a way for you to directly make a connection with audiences. Most people, they're looking for connection versus perfection. Just the fact that they could get your attention for like the next 30 to 45 minutes, that's valuable to them. Because when you're watching a video and you look at someone's eyes, what happens is that your brain releases these happy brain chemicals. So you get that dopamine, that oxytocin, that serotonin and endorphins. And if you say that person's name, they've officially etched your name in their hearts because they're like, wow, they acknowledged me. And I think deep dive, you know, just understanding human behavior and human psychology, we all crave to be validated, to be acknowledged. And live streaming gives you that opportunity to do that right then and there. And it's, you know, from a marketing perspective, the way that I would always sell it is it gets you on the fascination fast track to being on a first name basis with key decision makers. And so when you give people exclusive access to you, man, you, they're going to love you. They're absolutely going to love you. The first time I set up like eight cameras, tried my best to make it go to every single platform in the world. The next week I, I went to like StreamYard and was like, well, I'll, but StreamYard doesn't allow streaming to Instagram. And I was like, well, I'll use that plus my phone. Anyways, each week it's gotten a little bit better in terms of quality. However, I've gone down to just using Instagram the last two weeks. Um, I think most of the engagement was on Facebook. So the funny thing is in terms of using one platform versus others, what would be some hacks or tips you'd give people? This is kind of like an ongoing debate because some people will say, leverage the platform where your audience already is. And some will be like, no, just stake your claim on a, on a whole new territory. 
I will say that what, what worked for me was using Facebook because again, having that agency experience, I was already connected to those key decision makers. And what's helpful as a live streamer is that when you see those comments come in, like you totally forget about like, you know, like, man, is this worth it? Because as soon as someone says hi, you're like, oh, Justin's here. You know, you get excited and it just automatically gives you that feedback to keep going. And that's why I would say go where your audience is because that's where they're going to support you. If you keep going live to a platform where no one knows where you are, it's so easy for you to want to give up, right? But when you have someone that's like cheering you on, even if it's just one, like I remember my very first person that stalked me at a conference was like, oh my God, you're Stephanie Liu. And I was like, what? You know me? You're not my mom? Like you've watched my, like we have been besties. Like she started her show. I I'm there. Like I show up, like I show up for everyone that shows up for me. And every time I'm at a conference, she's like right there front row. And I'm like, whatever program, whatever it is that I'm selling, like to me, she gets it for free because she's the one, she's my anchor, right? When I see her and I'm on stage, I'm like, this is it. So I think starting where your audience is going to be at is going to give you that fuel for you to keep that fire burning, to keep going. Because if you go somewhere where no one's there, it's like a tree that falls in the woods. Like, does anyone even hear it? But if you do it where someone else is and they're going to cheer for you and they're going to echo and they're going to share, then by all means, go there. The reason for my wanting to, and I think a lot of people wanting to do it everywhere is the efficiency piece, right? If it's recording now, might as well be able to use it elsewhere. So on the tech side of things, um, in terms of repurposing that or sharing it, that would be the strategy. But I think some of them are better for that. Do you think Facebook is the strongest for that too? Yeah, I think with Facebook, because you're dealing with algorithms, you could repurpose content as many times as you want because they probably didn't see it the very first time. Whereas on YouTube, if you were to repurpose over and over because you're probably using the same keyword tags and like different slides of descriptions, they could watch one video and be like, oh, that was the same video. You just hacked it a different way, but okay. So it, it makes it a little bit confusing over there. But on Facebook, I feel like you could post on your profile, your groups, your pages and all that other stuff. One thing that I'm sure you see a lot is people being hesitant to do it when they're monotone, they're kind of passive. I actually naturally, I'm kind of like that in terms of being introverted. Um, What would your advice to that group be? There's, there's some of us where it's like, if you want your audience to be like excited and engaged, you have to do the same, right? Cause they're going to follow through you. It's like, it's like the mirror neurons that you have in your brain. If you could see that someone else is doing it, they're going to mirror it exactly the same way. So if you wanted more comments, then you would do that. Or if you wanted to be deci- like divisive, you could pose a question and then people will, you know, be like raise their flags. Like it was funny. I was doing this episode with Diana Gladney and she says some people, you know, when it comes to chocolate, there are people that absolutely love white chocolate over dark chocolate. And then all of a sudden you saw in the comments, like people were like, white chocolate, what? Like they're all like disgusted. And then you'd have other people like, no, I I love white chocolate. And then you have this white chocolate versus dark chocolate. But you know, it's, it's different ways that you could get that engagement. I would say that if you're monotone on camera, that's okay. That's all right. You know, there are people that love movies that go at like a slower pace. There are some movies that love like Marvel studios and Avengers where it's all just smash crash and all of that, you know, all that stuff just depends on what your audience is going to be like, be yourself. I I wouldn't ever tell anyone to try to be, you know, 
someone else. You know, be you and people will naturally gravitate towards you. If they like you, awesome. If they don't like you, cool. You know who your tribe is. You don't have to change yourself. Just be yourself and still deliver that content. Does Lights Camera Live stream? I know obviously it's on Facebook. Is that, do you tend to go live only on Facebook still? It depends. It depends really. Um, If it's just me, I'll go live on multiple platforms. If it's a guest and the guest wants to share a screen, then I'll probably um, use like a different platform for that. There's all these logistics behind it. Like if I wanted to use like a chat bot for messenger marketing, if I said like, leave the comment, just tries and you'll get like this free book, right? That only works on Facebook. So then I'm only going to do that on Facebook to eliminate, to eliminate the error. So that way it's foolproof as far as engagement goes. But yeah, I mostly go live on Facebook just because of the chatbot stuff. And in terms of helping your guests, um, do you find that they struggle with the tech? Because I think that's one of the fears that people like me have is that when you, as you build your confidence in your tech and your ability, do you find it hard to prep or support guests when they're coming on? Usually if I'm preparing a guest onto the show, we have like an onboarding document that gives them tips, like how to look amazing on camera, like try to do this or try to do that. Um, We'll also try to, if, if, if I know that they're totally uncomfortable, if they've never done like a live video before, we'll do a tech rehearsal. Cool. Show me your lighting. Like, what can we do? All that stuff. And I probably had to do that a lot four years ago, but now, now people have a better understanding of it. Usually when I have like a new guest on the show, we'll, I'll probably have them in the green room, like 15 minutes beforehand, just to give them the run of show. But usually when I'm onboarding a guest, I'll say, we're going to be live streaming via X. Um, here are some, some tips that way you could have like the best bandwidth, the best audio, and then they're pretty much good from there. If you were leaving advice for next generation, in your case, obviously you can say, if you're leaving one piece of advice for your kids, what is it? If I, if I could give you one piece of advice, something that you could always work on, that's going to impact you in all areas of your life, both personal and professional, it's honing in on your communication skills. It's not just about the words that you say. It's about how you're able to listen to someone else and you're able to see it from their viewpoint and you're able to resolve conflicts so that way it doesn't destroy relationships, but you could have a meeting of the minds. And I think communication is one of those things where most of the problems in the world exist because there's always a communication breakdown. And I think if we all worked on being better listeners, being better communicators, then we wouldn't have as many problems as we would today. One thing that you yourself are learning right now. I am learning. Okay. Learning is like a, it's like a soft word. I'd say right now I am obsessed. I am obsessed with this new software called new blue effects. And it's a really cool way on how you could create on air graphics when you're live streaming. So I don't have to like build it in like Adobe premiere, export it and then import it. And I could just build it on the fly. So if you imagine like those on air graphics that you see, like when the NFL is playing or any sports, I could do that in live streaming. And it's something that I learned from one of my speakers last week. And I have just been obsessed. Like I have been watching every video tutorial. Like I speed it up like two X and I'm like, I'm learning, learning, learning. It's fun. <laughs> That's amazing. What question would you ask me that you think I should answer? How did you motivate, how did you motivate yourself? to reach out to me on Instagram for this. 
the most important thing is that I fall back on my why of what my goal is to help improve education, to bridge uh, social media where kids are and where youth are with real learning opportunities. And that there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there trying and not only out there, but capturing leads and building huge businesses off of it um, with bad advice. So I knew that starting this, I was going to reach out to as anybody that I saw that would be a really good influence or role model for my kids. And it's a numbers game too, right? I appreciate that. People are busy. So you have to reach out to lots of people. And it's always amazing when people say yes, um, because I know that it's going to have that impact. Yeah. I always, I always wonder what people say to themselves to get them hyped up before they send it, because probably before you even sent that message, like a little voice might've been trying to like talk you out of it. Like, who am I? Why should I like, why would she even listen to me? Like, is she even going to get this? But somewhere in you, there was a voice that pushed you and said, you're going to do it. You're going to just try. And you did it. And I think it's, it's going to be really interesting for you to share that whole thought process too. I didn't think of it in answering the question on the spot, but um, he probably will be too busy to listen to this. But if Buster listens to this, um, the fa- I don't know why. Like The fact that he was the, the first person to right away say, yes, I just want to help. I think that helped a lot, right? It just goes to show that you need those people, those good people who are willing to give back. Um, one of the questions I asked him was around the idea of clout. And he was like, oh God, because it's like, why'd you take this interview? You know what I mean? And same thing for you. I think it's just fascinating. There's a lot of grateful, humble, collaborative people. And the more times you realize that, you realize that if other people can't do it, it's okay. It's no knock on them. I'm not going to judge. Um, but that there will be people who will. So that's yeah. the other part of it. Yeah. I think a lot of us, especially content creators, um, we see the value in sharing our stories, especially on different platforms. Because I told you, it's like, I'm used to doing the social media circuit. And so getting outside of that, it actually is always exciting to me. It's, you know, I get to talk to lawyers. Oh, okay. What do lawyers think about live streaming? You know, it's, it's always fascinating to, to hear the other side and meet new people. Especially yeah, now. it's great. <laughs> Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah. can't say enough how appreciative I am. Um, I'm sure that if people Google, hey, Stephanie Lou, they'll find you. But where would you like to point people online? Yeah. I would say if you just want to poke around, if you want to take a look at content, lightscameralive.com is the best place to go. If you want to see the quirkiness, the things that I'm testing, the things that I'm geeking out on and being obsessed with, then that's where you're going to go to the Facebook group. And you're going to meet some of my amazing friends in there and just search for social media strategist on Facebook and you'll see me in the cover photo and then come on in. You're right, well. always welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much again. I appreciate nice. it. All right. Well, I'm jumping into the next live stream. So thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That was a fun one. So many people doing such amazing things that it's hard to get all these awesome stories out to the world. So I hope that one really helped you. Thank you to our guest, Hey Stephanie. She's another tremendous role model for any of you thinking of launching a business, especially when it comes to going live. 
It is our goal to have this in every high school in the world, so please do subscribe and leave a review. But most importantly, tell someone who might want to start a business that they should listen. Until the next episode of The Learned Podcast, all the best, and remember, just keep learning.